Actually, this should have been recorded. Encoding overload. I don't care. It feels like I'm using 95. Kill tag. I'm using like 4%. But it is recording. Oh, cool. Fun time. So. What's up, everybody? Uh, most of you might know my voice. I'm Joe Machado, the co-creator of the Game Set Match podcast. Um, I'm currently sitting next to uh, illustrator Brian Walters. Uh, you can't see it, but he is here. I am. Yeah, he is here. I okay. don't know everybody. I was I was gonna say, are you just gonna? I didn't you're know. Just we're... gonna tease. You're just gonna stay silent until. I'm the silent partner. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, a while ago, we had a conversation uh, about how we wanted to, uh, uh, or not even how we wanted to. So we're both big comic nerds, as most people know, but we wanted to do something unique, something a little different, uh, and we came up with this concept of like a grading system for these movies. Every time we go to the movie theater, we have like this incredibly strict rating system. We criticize a lot of movies, whether they're good or bad or irrelevant. Um, but one common issue that we had was villains. For some reason, we always reverted back to this idea of villains right. can make or break a movie yeah so eventually we put a grading system to villains whether villains were high quality whether they were low quality uh or whether they were just downright unacceptable or whether their their poor performance was acceptable within the confines of a film and so we came up with the fucktardian diagram so just in case you were wondering whether or not there was going to be foul language there's going to be a fuck ton of it <laughs> Um, a fucktardian amount, fuck fuck of... amount of foul language. Just wanted to set the record straight before we get into anything. Um, so we have the fucktardian diagram. This is a diagram of villains throughout a multitude of different uh, universes. Uh, and we have graded each and every one of them based on their... The amount of, I guess, fuck, fucktardian... Like, how do we well, want to word this? Is... You know, like the... Whether or not they were, you know... Uh, quality villain, or if they were just a fucktard with powers. Um, there's a in-between scale, and then there's just sheer unacceptable. Um, like, if there are fucktards with powers, and they're so hard into it, yeah. that it's almost unwatchable. Hmm. Um, so, I like to give a little bit of backstory about yes. how this came up, was uh, we're sitting at work, and he's watching, Joe's watching the uh, animated Spider-Man cartoon show. Yes. Which I loved as a kid, but I have a hard time now with because all the supervillains are just assholes with powers. That's about it. Like, that's all they are. Right? And it's, you know, Hydro. Dude who got water powers. Super jealous. I got water powers, super jealous. And now he's an asshole with powers. Rhino, Russian mobster, <laughs> super suit, asshole with powers. Scorpion. Random guy, J. Jonah Jameson, talked into wearing a super suit. Asshole with powers. <laughs> Hobgoblin, mercenary, asshole with powers. Green Goblin, asshole <laughs> with powers. It's just, it just, it's just—it's never a, shocker. Shocker, mercenary with, with the super suit, asshole with powers. It's just, it was just—they're all just never a bunch of There's no like real motivation or why they're doing any of it, and so uh, that led into us like saying, "Well, are there any real good quality villains?" <laughs> because uh, there's just so many bad ones, and it's just really—I mean, like even Craven. I like hunting things. Fucktard with powers. I mean. Yeah, it just it it never ends. So ultimately, we decided to say, okay, how can we grade uh, the filmmakers in the current industry that are making millions upon millions upon millions of dollars? 
and that is giving them tangible feedback on their villainry, whether it's good or whether it's bad. Now, <laughs> that's why we're doing this. That's why we're <laughs> that's why we're doing this. <laughs> tangible feedback for for the industry as a whole to make some higher quality movies. So if anyone in the I guess I guess the industry, whatever you want to call it. Anybody listen to this? Yeah, anybody over at Marvel, if you find yourself listening to this, uh, let's see what we can do for you. So this mini-series, uh, CLWT Squared, uh, can't live with them, can't live without them. Uh, so that is the that is the proper title, because I'm pretty sure iTunes wouldn't let me put the fucktardian diagram. Um, <laughs> so, uh, flip a coin, Marvel or DC? Where do we want to start? Uh, actually, let's actually flip a coin. Look at that. Yep, I have a coin somewhere in here. Hold on, taking it out. Should have pre-gamed. Should have... <laughs> Let's ignore the fact that okay. I have a fuck ton of coins in front of me that I just completely Whatever. forgot. Whatever. Okay, so, heads, uh, Marvel, tails, DC. Sounds good. Best of three? Best of three. Tails. Heads. heads. Oh, it's anybody's oh, wow. game. Crap <laughs> Tails, DC. All right, DC to start. Oh my goodness. So as most of you know, DC has had a pretty interesting time with their movies, trying to make them relevant, trying to make them popular, trying to play catch-up. There was a moment where they had one of the best movie series possibly in history, and that was the Batman trilogy. Um, but surprisingly, given the grading that we used for this, uh, surprisingly, their number is only 62%. So for those of you wondering where this number comes from, I know you know the algorithm that we used a little better than I do. How did we get to 62% of their quality villainry? So uh, the way we did it was uh, we have the categories unacceptable, just the fucktard of the powers. Uh, we have what we call a transfer window, where that's where a villain either started good and went dumb, or went to the fucktards with powers range, or started fucktard with powers and kind of moved into the quality villain range. Mm -hmm. And that can be across a series or in a single movie. Um, and then we had accepted, like, uh, fuck Tars of Powers and that's okay. So we assigned them a value between 1 and 10. Uh, 0 being completely unacceptable. And 10 being a, a really quality villain. Yeah. Transfer window, depending on whether or not they went, you know, good to bad or bad to good. Uh, moved slow, higher or lower up the scale. Mm-hmm. Um, and just a straight Tars of Powers, I think, was a five. Yeah. So we then took all the numbers, added them up, and uh, based upon just like a test score, however many points you got, divided by the total number of points possible. Yep. And that became the percentage. All right. So 62%. Surprisingly, what you'll learn a little later on as we get into the miniseries is that that is not the lowest number. DC's kind of been in the middle of the road. Yeah, not not even close. So what we're gonna do is we're going to go through each villain. So rather than going through like a like a like a bubble and you knowing kind of where they fall, we're gonna go through each villain from uh, in whatever order. Uh, I guess we should start from like I guess oldest to newest. I guess it would be. Uh, it might not be a bad idea. I would All also right. explain um, the way we we've divvied it out. Uh, the DCU include is pretty much because there's not a lot of them. Every DC movie uh, since what? I guess Green Lantern would be the oldest one. 
Well, as uh, I look at it right now, Green Lantern would be the oldest one on our I list. I believe so, yeah. So I think uh, starting that, with Green Lantern... That was Lantern, the first like high-budget DC movie that they tried to Batman do. Batman Begins, right? Oh, I guess Batman... Batman Be- Begins. I think Batman Begins starts it off. Okay, cool. Okay, um, so starting with Batman Begins, and then uh, the MCU will be pretty much everything that's been since Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, and then the other category is all the other Marvel... Yeah, so Marvel, we're, we're calling it the extended, it's not like TV shows or anything, it's, so don't confuse it with like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., but this is like your your Fox movies, your uh, your um, uh, Sony movies, right. Spider-Man movies. Uh, stuff like that. Okay. There's a lot of them. Yeah, so uh, let's get started with the, uh, do we want to do Batman as a trilogy? Do we want to just... I'll just do Batman as a trilogy. Let's Batman just start as a trilogy. Off. So let's start, as always, with uh, Batman Begins, Christian Bale's first entry into the series, uh, wow. which saw the introduction of Liam Neeson's uh, Rachel Ghoul. Which, uh, you can't beat Liam Neeson. Uh, <laughs> and I, this was before his daughter was taken, multiple times. Um, well, it, that might have been, this might have been like the precursor at some point, like, or maybe it's the future, because like, Rachel Ghoul is like, really bummed like his family got taken, right? That was part of the... Well, that is well. the The story that they use in the film is that his his daughter was supposed to be married to the mercenary, and and I guess she's pregnant before they were married, and they they threw her in jail. She swapped spots with him. Uh, okay, that's right. He was supposed to get banished to prison, and she said, "No, I'll take his place." So he just go ahead and leaves, and she's in jail with who would eventually be. Uh, Talia Al Ghul, who right. we'll talk about later, uh, but in my in my in where I have him is Rachel Ra- 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 Ghul's a quality villain. Oh, no. Liam Neeson aside, <laughs> Li- Liam oh, yeah. Neeson aside, even though that's a huge win, um, I I don't know if I would have expected whoever was the director of this guy, Christopher Nolan, to go with that villain first. It's a it's a solid commitment. I mean, like that's got a lot of lore behind it. Yeah. So. To, to do that well I think it worked the like you said quality villain the storyline worked the like the motivations I felt were there um, I did like the um, the twist kind of not like you know like an M. Night Shyamalan twist but almost a uh, Mandarin-esque kind of thing yeah. when they were like yeah autonomy is going to be it and they were like no, no. no it's fucking Liam Neeson no it's no. Liam Neeson so I was like no he's like he's not Asian what he's like he's like American British like that's that's <laughs> Ra's al Ghul and then they were like Liam Neeson's Ra's al Ghul and I was like thank you alright oh, yes you. <laughs> oh thank the lord uh but no uh uh Ra's al Ghul quality villain quality uh, villain yeah let's 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 get this out of the way now cause I noticed we both have different have different pronunciations of his name I've heard Raish and I've heard Raz. What is the proper pronunciation of his name? I, I think we have to look that up. Um, let's find out. Ah, Chupacabra. Here we go. I've heard people say Raish Al Ghul. How's Al Ghul? I typed in Raz, and it's the first thing that pops up. So, not the pronunciation. Let's see. Raz. But it wouldn't be surprising if people are also having this conversation. Uh, I think it's just Raz. I guess it's just Raz, yeah. Okay. All right. Raz Al Ghul. 
is but what we will. Rage sounds cool. Like, they both sound cool. Either way, he gets Either cool way, names. He gets, yeah, the he gets a su- super kick-ass name. He doesn't want so. that name. That's fucking awesome. <laughs> okay, so um, the other villain in that movie, <laughs> kind of, kind of, uh, was a scarecrow. If anyone remembers yes. that. Um, oddly enough, the only character besides Batman, I believe, to, and Gordon to be in to all, be in three, all movies. three movies. <laughs> in some way, shape, or form. Was Lucius in the first one? Morgan Freeman in the first one? Oh, I think he was. I think he's the only other. So right. Oh, no, Alfred, Batman, uh, uh, Lucius, Lucius, and Scarecrow. And Scarecrow. That's it. That's, that's the, the only old... guy that's in all three movies. Only, only people. That's so good. No girls. That's kind of... Yeah, that's a little odd. Um, um... But yeah, so Scarecrow... Um, we have to kind of grade him on the fact that he's been in all three. You can't just so, grade him on the one. So we leave him till the end? Well, no. Like, if we're going to grade him, we're going to grade him on his entire trilogy, not so much his, uh, his, like, the one stint he had in Batman and then one in, and then his Um, cameo appearances in the other two. So, uh, I think we kind of both agreed on this one. He's, he's pretty much just a fucktard with powers. Like, um, almost to the point of being unacceptable. Like, they give him no backstory. Yes. No explanation. He just shows up with fear serum, and they're like, oh, hey, we gave you we gave you Scarecrow. Yeah. Um, be happy, right? Congrats! Right? You like us now, right? So, so for most of you who don't know, uh, Scarecrow was played by uh, Cillian Murphy. Uh, he was in other movies like Inception and a couple other things. Um... Like, he did a good job. I think my bigger issue is they... Uh, Scarecrow in this film almost was like a character that they didn't want to commit to making him look remotely close to his comic counterpart. So they gave him the mask, but he's running around in like a mask and like a three-piece suit. suit. <laughs> so they didn't really want to commit to making him any more than what he, than like, oh, it's just Cillian Murphy with a mask on. Or it's Jonathan Crane with a mask on. With, with serum. Yeah, just, there you go. Um, so I don't quite have him as unacceptable because, as a complimentary villain, he was okay. But I definitely have him as like a. They didn't go into why he obsessed over this concept of fear and why even bother instilling it. Like, in other people, like he yeah, was just, he was just a, he was a fucktard with powers. Like, yeah, I'm the, I, I have the ability to make people afraid of stuff. Yeah, that's that's uh, kind of it. Done deal. Then, uh, Have a good one. And then the second movie, he was dealing... He was gun running. Gun running. And then the third one, he was the judge. He right? was the judge, yeah. Without yeah. the mask. Without the mask. And they were like, oh, okay. But he had the, uh, he had the, uh, the I guess, like the shawl piece. Okay. So if you, if you go back and you watch The Dark Knight Rises, you'll notice that, like, he's worn a piece of whatever the Scarecrow outfit would have been. But only one piece of it. So he wore the mask in the first two, and then he has this shawl on that almost looks like something you okay. would put on a scarecrow, but he doesn't have the mask. So I don't understand. But they wanted you to know it was Jillian. Yeah, okay. They, right. they wanted you to know it was Scarecrow. I yeah. guess they, I would have just had him in the mask as the judge. That's what I'm saying. It's, I thought it would have been cool enough. But anyway, the, it, it's a missed opportunity there in those movies because I think... You could have really built it up, especially in Say What You Will about the games side of things, but in Arkham Knight, Scarecrow, 
is is phenomenal. Is really it's it's a really good iteration of his character. So to see alternative versions of him that are like actually scary uh, is kind of a like silly. He, he just doesn't come off as scary, it's and maybe he's not supposed to. But the um, the thing is, me with him is that he's more a holdover from the idea that you have to have two villains in every movie. Yes, yes. Um, and I don't know why that started, but they're like, yeah, you're gonna have to have two. Because one isn't good enough yeah. in every movie. So, like, that was Ra's al Ghul and Scarecrow. Yeah. Ra's al Ghul could have carried that movie by himself. That's how good he was. Right? Um, he could have done something else other than the, the Scarif Serum. But, you know, whatever. It's fine. Whatever. That's fine. <laughs> uh, but that's it for Batman Begins. So, an interesting entry to start. But to continue, you get into arguably one of the greatest movies... DC's ever done in the Dark Knight. I would say probably the most consistent. And okay. like the the Dark Christopher Nolan's run on Batman. Uh, thanks to the creative vision of Nolan and a, a really good point for the writers that it's the most in my DC has done consistent and um, well done of the DC yeah. series. Well, you get into you get into the Joker. Rest in peace to to Heath Ledger. We'll talk about the other Joker later because I did just watch the extended cut of Suicide Squad yesterday. I watched it yet. Okay. I won't. Spoil it away. I don't care. It, well, it's only 14 minutes of extra stuff. So it's... <laughs> the extra, like, 10 minutes for Batman... Or for Batman 30 Superman. 30 minutes, yeah. 30, the extra 30 minutes in that drastically changes how good that movie is. Yeah. So... So maybe. You never know. But uh, The Dark Knight... Uh, Joker, hands down, I I have it on the on the top of my list, but it's tied for one other person in that group. That was really good. Uh, but the Joker, hands down, quality oh, villain motivation super. is is nailed. The dialogue in that film oh. describing him is so good. I love the uh, the multiple origins. Yes, like he keeps telling people different ways. It's like I just wanted her to smile. Yeah, between that and uh, and the way that people talk about him. I think that was the thing that nailed that film was it's one thing to have a villain wax poetic on what they want to do. It's another thing to have people in the movie and the way that they describe his character. Some people just want to watch the world burn. Exactly. So it's that way of doing things. is, And not to mention, they literally went a whole, a whole film teasing with the concept of his origin and never giving it to you. Oh, yeah. Because it didn't matter. It was so good. Yeah, so, hands down, the Joker, quality villain. The other villain in that film... Because there's gotta be two. Because there's gotta be two, is Two-Face. Um, speaking of two. Speaking um, of, yes. Again, uh, I think we agreed on this. Quality villain, why he was doing what he was doing. Um, I thought it was a little rushed. Yeah. When they were just like, no, he's a bad guy. Um, yeah, have fun. Uh, but I, again, I love that conversation with him in the hospital. He's just like, but chaos. That's that's the ticket. And it's like, appealing. That entire conversation in that hospital room is Joker appealing to both sides of him. And I think that that's what makes that scene so powerful. Is he's not trying to turn Harvey 
into the bad side of Two-Face. He's literally trying to split him in half by saying, I understand why you do what you do. This is why I do what I do. And here's a coin. Have fun. Yeah. Have a ball. Choose what you want to do. Um, again, I agree. This also was one of the first films that started obsessing with ensuring that their villains didn't survive. And this is a this is a core issue that I don't like in films is that with comics there's this never ending uh, battle between Batman choosing to say I'm just going to put them away instead of killing them. Now, from a moral standpoint, that's one thing, but from an actual writing standpoint, what it does is it leaves open the possibility of using them in the future. But now, movies, and you'll see it later when we get into the Marvel Universe, movies are completely okay with killing villains rather than finding an alternative way to put them away so that you at least have the choice. I understand the story behind why Two-Face was killed and the impact that it has. I just think that by by killing Two-Face, you lose that opportunity to have a great villain. And me as a viewer, I left the theater like, I want more of him, but I didn't get more of him. Yeah. And, um, I will say I do appreciate Marvel's uh, keeping Loki alive, because that's led to some great story stuff. And I just love Tom Hiddleston. So, Tom Hiddleston's Loki. So. Um, but yeah, no, the... You're right, and I think that's... There's a point, though, where it becomes a little ridiculous for Batman, though, where it's just like, okay, this guy's escaped from Arkham, like, what, 50, 60,000 times? Oh. Um, maybe maybe we just, you know... Uh, really, 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 really deep hole. Yeah. Something. But <clears throat> it was a little sad, because I did love the design space for Two-Face, but I think Nolan didn't feel bad about it because he knew he was only doing three movies. Yeah. So he's like, three movies and then I'm out. I'm not going to have enough room to do anything more with Two-Face. Yeah. Um, but I do like that in new movies they're allowing the expansion of the universe via comic book tie-ins, which is something that started after Yeah. Um, Christopher Nolan's run on this. So if they had left him alive, there would have been the, the possibility of... A comic book iteration in which it continues the story. Yep. So. Well, as far as that deep hole, uh, the next set of villains emerged <laughs> from that deep hole. Uh, so that might not be the best way of... of uh, no, greatest way. Greatest way of introducing these <laughs> of people. Of jailing uh, certain villains, and that was uh, The Dark Knight Rises. The metaphorical tie-in to Bruce Wayne saying, I don't want to fucking do this anymore, I guess. I, I don't know. Like, it's like, I'm out. Peace. I feel like The Dark Knight Rises was way too, like, high-level. Like, it tried to go real big with its philosophical foundation. And eventually, like, I left the theater going, I just wanted to see a superhero movie. I mean, I didn't even get the philosophical side of it too much. Mine was just that it was bad. Like, for for me, and I know people that really enjoyed the movie, um, I just, I thought the, I just didn't like the plot. Like, um... The two villains in that. We got Bane and Talia, which yep. to me are. Talia doesn't even have powers, but she's just a. Like, she's just she a didn't fuck, do anything just a spectacular. She's just a fucktard. And, well, uh, her plan is immensely convoluted for what dumb. she wanted to achieve. Like, uh. So. 
uh, we're gonna break your back and we're gonna leave you in a prison. Okay, cool. 99.9999999% of people could not get out of a prison like that after breaking their back. Yeah. Batman's a different story, but okay. He's that point zero 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 one. I don't know if I got the nines and the zeros right, but whatever. Sure. And um, he's that one, that tiny little sliver of, you know, you win the lottery kind of crap. Um, but they sh- she should have revealed herself when she thought he would die in prison. Yep. Waiting for him to escape an inescapable prison... Make it back to Gotham City without anybody finding out, which the timeline in that movie just seems really weird. So it's like, he got there in like a week? That seems a little... Technically, he got there in like two scenes. Right. Like, There's so, no context we, we of time in that no, movie. We have no idea what time is. So, but gets back there, and then she happens to reveal, after betraying him, that she is Tali Al Ghul, which... Anybody surprised by that one? Any Anybody? No? Cool, cause me either. Um, I was surprised that Nolan wanted to tie it back to a villain from the first movie. I did appreciate that. Like, it was... it was Everything came full circle. This yeah. is because of what you did in movie one. Um, yeah, this is the consequence of your actions. If you would have destroyed Gotham in the first one, this would not be happening. My, the only other issue I had is no one really died. That was close to him, to my knowledge. No. Everyone survived. So, the, I mean, the consequence is, the is I guess, the the people who died from, the, from, like, the outcome of the city. But to Bruce personally, the fact that both Ra's al Ghul knows it's Bruce, Talia knows it's Bruce, there's nothing that they did to Bruce personally, aside from breaking his back, to and impact him in any way. The Joker did, did more damage... And, and, and that, I think, is my biggest issue. The Joker did more damage to Batman in the previous movie than two villains with more resources did in the next movie. Hands down. They I might agree. have hurt him physically, but they, as a plot, they really didn't do much of anything. Joker almost destroyed Gotham City's economic system. <laughs> Criminal and legitimate. Yes, he almost destroyed both of them. Uh, so. Destroyed their government infrastructure. Yes. And in this one, admittedly, I don't think they played the uh, played up the amount of devastation they caused. Yeah, it, it didn't feel like they... It all felt internalized to whatever building you were in. Yeah. Or The streets are empty. Okay, so everyone's at home. What? All right. It's, they make, me, make me understand this. Yeah. Uh, uh, what was it? And then that's, like, Bane, I think was just, I don't think, this Bane at his worst is better than the previous Bane at his best. Yes. (laughs) You have to accept that. We don't talk about that movie, I know, but um, I refuse to say its name, and uh, I'll give it that. I I feel really bad for saying that. Like, Tom Hardy, I think, did a, a great job. Um with the Bane he was given, uh, but the mask, and I don't know if you saw it, like, you heard the audio in the first part, it was super hard to understand him. Like, they should have had subtitles. So apparently they had to re-release the movie, is that correct? To my understanding, yeah. To, because to the first the one, the audio was so bad. I couldn't understand what he was saying, and uh, I still was waiting. To me, he sounded like a muffled Sean Connery, like, especially in the first plane scene. I was just waiting for him to go, Who's the man now, dog? Yeah. Right? Um, <laughs> just... <laughs> 
muffled Sean Connery is all I heard. Now uh, go back and and watch that, and you'll hear it. I guarantee it. The um, one thing the one thing I will say about his character is that Nolan really wanted to establish character depth through like short lines of dialogue. So at the end, when Talia says, "You know, the mask is the mask is just it's just morphine." That's all it is. Right. It's morphine to keep him out of pain. That was their way of going, yeah, we're not even going to bother with Venom. Yeah. We're not even going to bother with the Titan formula. Whatever you think that is, it's just morphine. This dude is really fucking strong. And because he doesn't feel any pain, he can do stuff. He can, he can punch through to. walls because he feels no pain. Live with it. That's fine with that. Yeah, I was completely okay with that, but I think... Like, that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to build characters through short lines of dialogue that gave you that added context. Which, as we know, I'm a huge fan of building character through yeah. through dialogue in context. Instead Not of seeing Bane's training, Bane just says, no, I was born in the dark. And the League of Shadows molded me into what you are. So whatever you can do, I already know what you can do. They didn't feel the need to show us what Bane did. Or went through. Or went through, yeah. Um, there was, was there a flashback to the prison scene? There was a flashback to the prison scene when he gets his ass beat and Talia escapes and then she comes back for him. Right. But one of the... the, the, the he gets beaten up so badly that... Uh, that was my assumption, is he gets beaten up so badly that he can't feel pain anymore. Well, I think that's what the morphine's for. He's yeah. beaten up so badly he needs the morphine and the morphine just keeps it so he doesn't feel pain anymore. Yeah. He's just on a constant dose of morphine. Which is fine. Yeah. I can get down with it. Um, again, my biggest problem with uh, Bane, though, is that they don't really go into, like, he he's probably closer to Charlie Powers, and that's okay, but they built him up a lot and then didn't really give him... Well, he kind of goes into the reverse. He's like a... He kind of reminds me... He's almost like a transfer window quality villain that just goes to fucktards with powers because they do build him up in such a way that you really... I I was really enjoying this version of Bane until they revealed that he was just a... He was... He was He's just a guy He in was a just a guy in a prison and that Talia was the one who, pl who planned the whole thing. So it's like, so, so Bane's not really a master strategist. Talia just told him what to do and he did it. Right, he was a, he was a lackey. Yeah. Um, so, also again, I'm just gonna say, the their plan was to leave him in an unescapable prison <laughs> that they escaped with a doctor, by the way. Right, with a doctor. <laughs> oh man, if only every back break could be fixed by hanging from a, hanging from a ceiling. Huh. That's one of the worst lines, in a movie. You have a vertebrae, protruding from your back. We must put it back in place. Stand there until you, or hang there until you can stand. And he just walks away. Right? I only hope every physical checkup is that quick. I went to physical therapy. I wish it was that easy. <laughs> I didn't even have a broken back. Still took me a month. <laughs> All right. So that's oh. it for... Man. Go. War Machine's going through the same thing. They should just hang in from a cloth. Oh, my God. <laughs> right? <laughs> Batman has taught us that'll work. I feel bad for War Machine. He doesn't have that doctor. 
If he did, could Warner you imagine? Be up and running right could now. you imagine if that line is in the next movie? <laughs> you have a vertebrae out of place. We have to put it back. <laughs> Beep. How about you just hanging from a rope? Right. Yeah, no, that doesn't work. That, that's that's dumb. That's that does. <laughs> <laughs> that would be so good. That's uh, a bad idea, and you should feel bad. So, uh, uh, Batman trilogy, not bad. Essentially, what is that? Three out of five. Or. Three out of six. Three out of six. So not bad. Uh, that brings us into the movie that Ryan Reynolds really does not want us talking about. <laughs> uh, Green Lantern. Now, I don't even... For me, I went in there and I was like, this movie wasn't atrocious. No. It wasn't good. Um, but I think if you compare it against like the early days of comic book movies, like again, the early days for me would be like Spider-Man, X-Men. We're not talking like... The 1970s Captain America, <laughs> which I bought on iTunes and it's hilarious. Blade, um, all that stuff, yeah. But those early days of comic book movies, it's heavy on exposition, um, and the villain isn't great, and that's because you don't have enough time to develop them, which they didn't. They were just like, Parallax is bad! Yeah. Done! Why does he have a weird face? Why does that face show itself in a cloud? That's what I mean. Like, is That's the thing. Like, I remember watching this movie and going, there's a part of me that wishes that from the beginning, like, that's one of the only films I would have forgiven if it started with a flash forward of, of like, the Sinestro ring and where that energy comes from. Okay. Because, ultimately, that was kind of my issue. I knew that as soon as I saw Mark Strong was in the film, I was like, it's gotta be, it's Sinestro. <laughs> it's so, he's, he does it so well. Oh, uh, I loved his Sinestro. But immediately I went, okay, I know he's eventually going to become Sinestro, and he's going to use the fear ring. I know from a comic book standpoint what Parallax represents... But if I know nothing about Green Lantern, I'm assuming that Parallax is its own entity and is unrelated to anything else. He is his own villain. Yeah. So then at the end, when you go, oh, no, Parallax is essentially the origin of the fear... The fear energy. energy. Yeah. The Yellow Lantern ring. Yeah. Like, I feel like that solves the movie. That That's one big solve for making that movie just a little bit better. Because then from the get-go, I know what this is leading to. And I think it's one of the only movies I can forgive if they would have shown me the future prior to doing the film. I can see that. Um, for, for me, though, like any, even people that don't understand or don't know, know the comic book lore, like the guy's name is Sinister O. <laughs> Sinister O. <laughs> no, no, no! Totally a good guy. The the only Sinestro. The only more obvious name is Mister Sinister. Right. <laughs> That's the only more obvious name. <laughs> oh, luckily his real name's Nathaniel Essex. So yeah, like, but S Sinestro's real name is, is Sinestro. Sinestro. Yeah, like that's that's just asking to be a bad guy. Yes, uh, but luckily he wasn't a bad guy in that movie. So it's one of those ones where they, and I I love Green Lantern for this in the era where it was at. There was one villain. Yes, there was Parallax. Now there's the the other dude. 
who ends up getting yeah. the giant brain. I don't know if I really count him. Right? Is he a comic book character? I don't even remember. It's been so long since I've seen that movie. Um, we Green Lantern movie. I don't even know. I thought he was. Probably is. They did a really. They tried really hard to get it so that um, Val Sinestro, uh, Waller, Vincer, Torfey, Kilowog. Um, oh, the the dude with the big head. Yeah. Um. Dang it. Yeah, he's a character. I'm trying to remember what his name is, though. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I love the description. In a mid-credit scene, Sinestro, for some reason, steals the yellow ring. <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Hammond. Sure. All right, whatever. Hector Hammond. Yeah, he's a bad guy. All right, whatever. Um, but he's a... Well, he's a fucktard with powers, so let's just... I think he's just called Hector Hammond. Or he's, he's a fucktard with powers. Yeah, he's just a fucktard with powers. So we forgot about him, because that's how tardy he is. We all forgot about him. Yep. Um, man, I even forgot about him in the comic books. This makes me feel bad. Um, <laughs> so, this makes me feel bad. Decline. Continue. <laughs> Rejected. Um, but yeah, so Parallax, they, they gave us exposition for what Parallax was, but not why Parallax yeah. does what it does. Um, it's just like, it's scary and it's gonna, it's gonna kill us all. It's almost like a classic good and evil scenario. Yeah. Like, like Green Lanterns are good. Parallax, Parallax is, is evil. This happens, this has happened for eons and will continue to happen, so live with it. Yep, have fun. Which I think doesn't, doesn't do it anymore. No, it's just you, not enough. I mean, you could do that. I mean, <clears throat> not point fingers. Doctor Strange did it. Dormammu. He's like, yeah. he's bad, and he wants to kill Earth. But That's just the entity that he is. That's what he is. And it's like, you can justify it that way. You just need to, you just need to make you it. You've got to have something more. It can't, right? it can't be your main plot point. Right. He's I like, don't think so. He's bad. No. No. Okay, cool. Yeah. That's, uh, we'll get so, into Doctor Strange a little later on. Um. But I, that's why I put Parallax behind Tars of Powers. Yeah. Um, I would say it's almost to the point that it's Tars of Powers, and that's okay, because that's the way they designed him in the movie. Like, they didn't they didn't try to build him up yeah. any more than that. They didn't try to make us think there was some really crazy reason behind it. They were just like, he's... He's bad. He's and bad. that's it. Bam, 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 bam. So, that's it for Green Lantern. It, uh, it came and went just as fast as Ryan Reynolds wanted it to. Um... Yeah. But that brings us, we got to fast forward now, because it's, yeah, because Uh, DC wanted to take a break while Marvel was, uh, you know, putting together its own little universe, and DC decided, wow, universe building is a really good idea, we're going to do movies like it, the problem is we're just not going to universe build. Right. Well, they they built Superman. Yeah. Um, you know, because that's a thing, and, uh, uh. You know what we eventually have to get to, so yeah, save your energy. I know, that's why I'm trying to... I'm just, I was like, <laughs> save okay. your energy. Um, Man of Steel. 
Man of Steel, uh, I mean, there was a posse, um, but Zod was the only true villain in that movie. Yep. Uh, so again, that's something I can appreciate that uh, DC will commit to, is that, okay, we really only need one villain. The, not anymore, but yes. Not anymore, but... Um, the Well, they have to justify why so many characters are in the movie. Um, but... Zod it was the one that went back and forth, and I think we kind of agreed on that. Like, mm-hmm. I agreed with his motivation. It's like, you guys are bad government officials. You shouldn't be in charge anymore. Uh, and I ha- I know one way of dealing with that, and that's militant action. Yep. A um, coup, essentially. Coup. Uh, I'm not really sure how he lost the coup, because he was handedly winning, and then th- suddenly not. So they don't... So this is my issue with, with DC now. And it's prevalent across the entire, every movie they do, which is, so much of it is left up to interpretation. So my interpretation was, he committed all forces to go after the Codex when, when, um, when when Jor-El left, and he stole the Codex. He essentially sends his entire army to the observatory, and then once... Cal L is launched and leaves. All of a sudden, he's surrounded because he just left because he focused so much on the codex. That was my interpretation of it. But you're right. The entire beginning of the film tries to establish, like, yeah, he's successfully created a coup and he killed two uh, politicians. Right. And then so, the government's like, yeah, we're just gonna put you in the Phantom Zone. Yeah. But. Zod did, so, it's weird, because Zod goes into, um, so, we have our diagram in front of us, and Zod is in our transfer window, where he kind of wishy-washies over both, but then he goes into fucktards with powers. I've actually kind of changed my opinion. I think he's, he's still in the transfer window as a quality villain, but then he shifts to fucktards with powers, and that's okay. Because I guess near the end, that's kind of what they intended him to do. Well, that's the feels... thing. Like he, at the end of the, at the end of the film, he just kind of goes, "All right, I'm, I, I'm no longer trying to adapt to the planet. I am now. Now I remember the reason we had him with fucked hearts with powers is because he didn't have to go through the same training that yeah, Man of just, Steel did. He just suddenly became a superhero. Like he just suddenly had powers, and then he was like, "I'm just going to kill everybody." Yeah. And he's like, "Well, technically, as far as I know it, like." You still exist, and he still exists, and you could probably try to find some species that you could propagate with. Yeah. And then you could start over again. I mean, Lex Luthor was able to make that thing. <laughs> that uh, we'll get in into Genesis, in a moment. In the Genesis chamber, so obviously you could still do stuff. And just be like, well, we can just clone, you know. I guess that's why we left him in the transfer window, because I really don't know what... I didn't. I didn't feel like... He was quality for a little bit of the movie. Like, he was a quality villain. And then there's a moment when, essentially, his plot is to terraform the Earth into Krypton. Failing which, that, he's which just I like, didn't, I'm just gonna go on a fucking rage. Yeah, I'm just gonna kill everyone. Which I guess is what he's been belittled to at this point. But I took it as a, if you're a military guy, like, why would you get to that point? Like, he was the best military mind on Krypton. Didn't feel it. Yeah. 
It felt like he made every decision emotionally, which is, I'm not saying that it doesn't make sense because his entire, you know, species was wiped out except for one person, which he despises, by the way. I look at it as like, at one point or another, if, if your general is making every decision an emotional, an emotional one, if you're under him, do you kind of go like, I don't see how this is gonna. I don't see how this is gonna work. <laughs> I can just imagine like the people in Zod ships going, "I'm Zod, Zod." Yeah. Um, we have some reservations. <laughs> we, <laughs> we we have some reservations we, uh, about we this. We don't we don't necessarily agree with what's happening here. We would like to take it in a different direction. And then he would just get really angry and kill them. And kill them all. Right? Yeah. So, so. Uh, again, not a bad villain, but just. He didn't hold the interesting quality that he had at the beginning.